starting a new series today called um, The Happiness Challenge. And I, I want you to think about happiness for a minute because it's one of those things that I think we all want, and we all want it for the people that we love. And oftentimes you hear it in parents who have a child or a teenager or an adult child who's gone some direction they don't want them to go. And oftentimes they try to sort of reconcile it by saying, you know what, as long as they're happy, right? Isn't that what we say? As long as they're happy, I guess, I guess that's okay. Do you know that research shows that the number one goal in the world in all places and all cultures is happiness? The number one goal is happiness. Yale University is 300 years old. And in their 300-year history, the most um, popular class in the entire 300-year history is a class on happiness. Because it's something that we intuitively all want. Now, here's the catch. Only a third of Americans claim to be happy. Now, according to the FIRE movement, maybe you've heard of this, financial independence, retire early, which I'm not against, just as long as you don't think it's going to make you happy. <laughs> that movement claims if you'll just make enough money to retire early, then you'll be happy. And culture tells us all kinds of things like happiness is the clothes that you wear or it's the car that you drive or it's how much you have in your bank account or it's who you're married to. It's what you experience in your bedroom. It's what adventures you have. It's, you know, what you're going to have when you lose weight. Then you're going to be happy. Do you know that research shows that external circumstances only have a 10% effect on your happiness? Think about that. External circumstances only have a 10% impact on your happiness. So if you get that dream car or that dream job or that dream house, it will make you a little happier for a little while. And then it'll be gone. It'll diminish. Because you know what? That new house needs maintenance. And that new car needs high insurance. And that dream job comes with some dream expectations from your employer. And that happiness will vanish in your hands. And isn't it interesting that most of us spend most of the energy of our life and most of our waking hours chasing that elusive, diminishing 10%? Like trying to grab fog. So what if I told you that... Um, I knew the secret to happiness. What if I told you that? What if I told you I found the secret to happiness and it's a pill? And after service, we're going to line up in the foyer and we're going to sell you that pill. And all you got to do is come and take one a day. Man, there'd be a line from here to Birmingham. If I just told you there's this, there's this pill you can take. But I've got better news than that. I know the secret to happiness, and it's free. And it won't cost you anything, and there are no side effects. Do you want to know what it is? Are you curious, what, at least what I think it is? All right, here's what it is. The secret to happiness is living an others-focused life. The more you focus on yourself and your happiness and achieving and, and acquiring and having and getting, 
the more unhappy you're going to be. And the more you focus on other people's destiny and their life and building them up and strengthening them and making them everything God called them to be, the happier you're going to be. Isn't that amazing? You probably don't believe me. So let's look in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 20, 35, we see this truth taught. And I'm just going to give you a few verses. We could talk all morning. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The giver, the, the encourager, the builder up, the, the other focused person is more blessed than the one who receives. Matthew 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served. Jesus didn't come to earth to be served. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Now, that, we've got to ask ourselves this question. Jesus lived an others-focused life. Did Jesus live a good life? I don't mean was it morally good. I mean was it personally fulfilling? Did Jesus live the good life? Was his life, did he have regret when he died? Did he look back and say, boy, I wish I'd have spent more time on myself? Was Jesus a one-off because he was God's son and he came to be crucified and to die? Do we dismiss his example and say, yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody really wants to live that life, though. That was just the life that he had to live because he had to die for all of us. Is his life a one-off or is he our example in every way? If he lived a good life, I don't mean morally good. I mean like, a, like, the, like the best way to live for himself. If he did that, if he lived a fulfilling life, then we've got to look inside his life and say, how did he live? Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So what if being happy, what if, what if really, really living a good life had more to do with what you gave than what you kept? What if it had more to do with how well, how blessed the people around you were that you were focusing on rather than how much you could acquire or achieve or get for yourself? Happiness, what if happiness was about how much, here's how happiness works. Happiness grows as you give it away. When you, try to, when you try to pull it in close to yourself, the less happy you're going to be. But the more you try to give it away, the more it's like a boomerang. It just keeps coming back at you. And you know what? Research confirms now what the Bible has taught for centuries. Listen to what Dr. Henry Cloud said about this. One of the strongest findings of the happiness and well-being research over the years is that people who are givers, those who serve others and are altruistic, are much happier than ones who don't. That's what the science and the research says. In the New Testament, 51 times, we hear this kind of language. Serve one another, encourage one another, help one another, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens, 51 times. And so over the next three weeks, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give, we're not gonna have a 51-week series, okay? I'm not gonna give you each one of them. But over the next three weeks, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you one of those 51. 
And then I'm going to give you a challenge with each one of them, okay? So today we'll start at 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Now look, this is incredibly more important than it sounds. Hebrews tell us, tells us that the way that you can prevent a person's heart from growing cold and hard and them actually leaving the faith is that you encourage them daily. Encouragement is the antidote to backsliding, discouragement, losing your faith, disillusionment with God. Encouragement is the antidote. And also, we can find God the Father, we can find Jesus the Son, and we can find the Holy Spirit all through Scripture encouraging people, encouraging us. I know that sometimes we all feel the impulse to, you know, encourage like we see someone who's struggling or hurting or suffering or we see a gap, we see an opening, and we just get this feeling like, you know, I want to I wanna, I wanna do something, I want to say something, but I, but I don't know what to do or I don't know what to say. We all have that. And I think sometimes we lack living this part out just because we don't know how to do it. Now, look, it might not be part of your personality, there are people that are like, you know, butter-drenched toast. They absolutely just grease on everything, everywhere they go. You know what I mean? They are walking and floating encouragement. And that, that may not be your personality. They may do it naturally. It may never come naturally. But here's what I want you to know. Regardless of your personality, everyone can grow in encouragement. Everybody. Everybody can grow in giving encouragement. So this morning what I want to do is I want to give you two ways... Two very specific ways that you can encourage those around you, and as you do, you'll get happier. Number one, encourage with words of affirmation. You know everybody needs to hear sometimes, hey, good job. Everybody needs to hear, man, I, I appreciate you. Well, you, you know, you did good at that. You're on the right track. Keep going. There's enough negative voices and enough critical voices. We're at critical mass in critical voices. Right? But everybody needs some, every now and then to hear, hey, you're on the right track. You're doing good. Keep going. Keep going. It's the negative people that tend to get the most attention. But what about the other people? You know, the majority. Who were just going at it every day, trying to raise their family, trying to do a good job, try to be a good husband, try to be a good wife, try to be a good teenager, try, try to do the right thing, try to follow Jesus. Man, we need to come along beside them and we need to inflate them and build them up and say, hey, you're doing a good thing. And man, I'm behind you. Has anybody told you lately I'm for you? I mean, a word of affirmation is a powerful thing and everybody needs to hear it. Dr. John Gottman... You may have heard that name. It did a landmark research on um, what makes a healthy marriage. It was called the Love Lab, and, and he observed people over decades. And here's what he learned. In a marriage relationship, happy couples have a five-to-one ratio. What does that mean? They have five positive comments for every one negative one. If it's one-to-one, -one, it's it, it, the relationship's struggling. One-to-two, not so good. One-to-five, and you've got a happy couple. 
So for every one critical or negative thing that's spoken, there are five positive things spoken. And let me tell you what they found. In the workplace, it's one to six. So for every one critical or negative thing spoken, there's six positive things, and they've proven scientifically that's the ratio required to have a happy culture, to have a happy relationship, to have a, to have a peaceful place to work. Now, in our present culture, um, we all need words of affirmation because our current marketing efforts go something like this. If I can make you miserable enough with your circumstances or your life, you'll buy my product, right? So what we do is we have these commercials with all these models running around and they have perfect skin and perfect hair and perfect teeth and a perfect car and a perfect girl and a perfect guy and a perfect life and your perfect community and all of this. And we say, if you'll just buy our product, you can leave your sad, sorry little life and you can join these people. And it'll be amazing how good your life for $9.95, right? Or, 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 or installments, just three easy, I've never seen an installment that was easy. Three easy installments. It's easy for them because they just get it. And so billions of dollars and the brightest minds in our culture today are focused on one thing, making you miserable with your life so that you'll buy their product, make you feel inadequate. So if you see an advertisement for face cream, what does it show you? Look at this saggy old wrinkled person, you know? If you just buy this face cream, your face would be like a 20-year-old. It'd be bright and golden and tan and, you know, the before and after. Look, just buy this face cream. If, you know, if, if it's clothes, your clothes look like, you know, they're from um, uh, middle 1800 London. You know, the poor side. Or, 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 or you look like you're, you know, uh, um, a movie star from Saved by the Bell in the 90s. Oh, wait a minute. That, cult, that style's back now. Oh, yeah, the wrong one. That's actually back. But they want to make you look, you, your clothes look terrible. If you would just wear these clothes, you have no idea how much happier you would be, right? Or you look at your hair. You look like you come from a black and white movie. Your hair's dingy and old, and if you'll wear this product, you know, it'll be silky and smooth, right? That's, that's, that's how marketing happens. We live in a culture that preys on the worst of us. We need someone who can look below the surface and tell us the truth. And what's the truth? Listen, what's the truth? Here's the truth. You are God's beloved child. You are a son or daughter of the king. You are chosen. You are loved. You have a destiny. You have an inheritance. You have a royal place at his table. You, have a, you live in the palm of his hand, and he has a plan for your life. That's what we need. Everybody needs those words of encouragement. When, uh, for the few years my wife was in the nursing home, there was this guy, I don't, I don't think he could walk because i never seen him in anything but a wheelchair, but he'd walk, he always had a Jesus hat on, you know, he had a hat with Jesus on it, and he's always rolling around, you know, and he would come and talk, hey, how you doing, you know, he learned our kids' names, got their phone number, he'd text them sometime, when, when, uh, when our son was at home from school, he said, hey, how about you come and lead a devotional, you know, for the nursing home, he's like, oh, okay, yeah, come and preach, he said, come and preach, 
So he said, I'm going to make it happen. You know, he, he organized. He kept bugging. The, they he'd bug the people to death there. We got to have a meeting, 2 o'clock. What day of the week we're going to have it? He was all about it, you know. Got this big meeting. There's about seven people in there, you know, two on life support. And, you know, and so here's Tyler. He comes and, and preaches to him. But this guy, I mean, he was indelible. Every time I saw him, he was encouraging people. And one day I walked in, and he was frustrated. And he, he just said, ah, oh, you know, these people here, and man, they, 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 somebody, did, I don't know what happened. Somebody offended him. Somebody did something wrong. I don't know what it was. But I'd never seen him like that. And, and he said, man, I, I, I'm just so mad. And he, he was just kind of telling me. And, and something inside me just said, no, this is, this is wrong. Like, this is a good man. <laughs> this is a good man. And I don't want him to roll around here all day telling himself all this stuff. So I got right up in his wheelchair, you know. And I said, hey, I want to tell you something. You are one of the best encouragers I ever met in my life. You're one of the best things that ever happened to this nursing home. Everywhere you go, you lift people up. And every time you talk to somebody, they smile. And I don't want you to let any negative people in here drag you down. You throw that stuff away. You don't need it. You're bigger than that, and you're better than that. You, and he, he go, oh, I, mean, I thought he was going to stand up. He said, oh. He said, oh, yeah. He said, man, you know, you're right. And I'm telling you, that guy is one of the greatest encouragers I've ever met in my life. But you know what? It don't matter. Everybody needs good word of affirmation sometimes to heal the soul. <laughs> Even he did. And, that's, and I thought, Lord, this guy's got some kind of condition. He's in a wheelchair rolling around in here, you know, stuck in here the rest of his life. And look at him. He's just one of the most positive people I ever met. But that day, it just got to him. And I said, man, he needs, he needs encouragement. Everybody needs. You know, what it, you know what a word of affirmation does? It sees the good in a person, and it calls it out. And, man, we all need that. Let me tell you somebody in our church who I believe does that so well. I don't know, all of you won't know, all of you online won't recognize this name, but some of you will. David Mills. Where is David here? Are you here, David? Where's David? David Mills. He may not be here today. David Mills, if you've come into one of these back doors, he's an usher and a greeter, and he'll, he'll hug you and he'll smile. And let me tell you, David is, there you, there you go, yeah, come here, David. David Mills, yeah don't, yeah, don't get lost out there. David, yeah, I just want to talk about you for a minute. David is one of the most encouraging people. I was talking about encouragement, and I was telling him about you. David's one of the most encouraging people I ever met. Look at him smiling. Look at him, look how he smiles. I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. This man right here is an encourager. Look, I saw a post on Facebook a few days ago. One of his daughters, he he's had, has a heart issue, and they were trying to help him, and it didn't work the way they thought. And, boy, she said, this is so hard on my dad, and, you know, would you just pray for him? And you know what? About two days later, I got a text. From, I thought, oh, David, man, I felt so bad. I didn't have a chance to reach out. And he texted me, Jeremiah sixteen fifteen. you know, texted me a verse to encourage me. And let me tell you something. You are one of the happiest people I ever met. And you know why? Because he lives an others-focused life. I love you and I appreciate you. I love you.
So here's the first thing you can do. Just encourage people with words of affirmation. Here's the second one. Encourage by listening deeply. I, I want to um, summarize a, a story, an encounter in Scripture that you may have heard of. But I saw something in that encounter I've never seen until recently. And I just want to point it out to you. Jesus was um, on his way to um, minister to a sick girl who was dying. Okay, And on his way, there was this woman who had been sick for years and years and years and years. She was desperate. She would tried everything. She had spent all of her money. She had gone to all the doctors she could go to. And because of her condition, she was ceremonially unclean. So worst of all, she was alone and friendless. She was cut off from any kind of community, and she was cut off from any place of worship. You can imagine how hard a life like that would be. But the, crowd, the crowds had jammed the streets, and Jesus was walking through with his disciples on his way to minister to this dying girl. And, um, and this woman thought, out of desperation, maybe if I just sneak in there and touch his clothes, maybe I'll be healed. I've tried everything else. What do I have to lose? And so the crowd's just mashed in. She sneaks in, touches his clothes, and in an instant, immediately, she's healed. Her condition goes away completely. And Jesus recognizes that that miracle has occurred. And he turns and he said, who, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? And after years of rejection, she, she shrinks back in the crowd. She's, <laughs> she's like, no, 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 I, I know how this goes. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to be recognized and she's afraid to admit it was her. So Jesus asked again, who touched my clothes? And she sort of timidly comes forward and says, it was me. Now look, Mark 5, this is what I want you to see that I've never seen till recently. The woman knew what had happened to her, so she came trembling with fear and knelt down in front of Jesus. Listen, then she told him the whole story. Do you see what happened? She told him the whole story. She told him about when she was diagnosed. She told him about when it started. She told him about how much money she had spent trying to find a cure. She told him about all the things she had tried. She told him about how lonely she was. She told him about the years of discouragement. She told him about the years of isolation. She told him the whole story, and he listened to the whole story. Now look. Who listened? You know, Jesus, God's son, sent to the earth to redeem the whole world. I feel like he had a full schedule. He was, he was on his way to minister to a dying girl who was waiting, whose family was waiting. The crowd was waiting. Like, the crowd had to just stop and wait. Like, what, what's going on? The city leaders were waiting. The disciples were starting to ask, why is it taking so long? And you know, for the crowd and, and for her, and maybe even for the disciples, the miracle would have been enough. Like he didn't have to listen. She was already cured. He could have just went on and she would have been well. But he didn't. He stopped and listened to her and it wasn't enough for her. And here's the reason it wasn't enough for her. Because he didn't just care about her problem, he cared about her. You know Jesus cares more about, your, about you than he cares about your miracle? 
listening to her restored her dignity. I wonder how long it had been since someone had really listened to her. I mean really listened. I wonder how long it's been since somebody really listened to you. I'm talking about like really listened. The TV's off. The laptop's closed. You can't even see the cell phone. It's not in sight. The person's not checking the notifications on their smartwatch for all the things they're missing and they're half listening to you. They're not, they're not busting in and finishing your sentences before you get a chance to finish them. They're, they're not inhaling air waiting for your last word so they can break out in a full discourse and change the subject and talk about what they were going to talk about anyway. I'm talking about really listen. Jesus stopped the crowd, the coming miracle. He stopped the city leaders. He stopped everything to listen to the whole story. The whole story. Do you know one of the rarest gifts you can give anyone in this day and age is just to listen? And it's so encouraging when someone listens to you and hears you. Over the last month, as, as you might imagine, um, so many memories have flooded my mind, and some of them have been, have been so good. One of the memories that, uh, that came up was when, when we lived in Mississippi, um, my wife uh, decided, I don't, know how, I don't know how she got there, but she just decided, she said, I really feel like um, that one of the ways that I can connect with people is just to listen. So she was, what I've been praying about in my devotions is, is she said, when I go to church Sunday, I'm gonna try to find someone who needs someone to listen to them, and I'm just gonna give them, I'm gonna sit with them, and I'm gonna give them the fullest attention I can give them. And man, she did that. And I said, great, you know, that, yeah. I, I, I was like, I didn't even have a category for that back then. I was like, sounds great, go do that. And she would come home this lasted for a few months. It was probably six months. And she would come home every week with these stories. Man, just as I listened, this person just started to cry. As I listened, this happened. You know, as I listened, this And she came home with these stories of encouragement. And these stories of how God had used her to minister to somebody by listening. Hey, and you know what the best part about it was? Listen to this. She was so happy. Because she was living an others-focused life. It wasn't about her, and it wasn't about what am I wearing today, and are they going to sing my favorite song, and did I like that, or did I not like that, or would I rather be somewhere? It wasn't about any of that. And you know what happens? When you encourage other people, it encourages you. Did you know that? Man, it encourages you. It builds you up and lifts you up. And that's the way happiness flows. So this morning, I've, I've given you two ways to encourage. Encourage with words of affirmation and encourage by listening deeply. And now let me give you a challenge, okay? Here's the challenge we're going to do for three weeks. Every week, I'm going to give you a new way to live a others-focused life. Today, it's encouragement. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. 
Tomorrow morning when you wake up, I want you just to start the day with a little, a little short little prayer and say, God, today I pray that you would open my eyes to see someone who needs encouragement. And it might be a word of affirmation. It might be deep listening. It might be a hundred things I haven't mentioned. But every day from now till next Sunday, if you'll get up and say, today, before the day's over, it might be your spouse. It might be the person checking you out at the grocery store. It might be a, a family member. It might be a neighbor. It might be someone you run in too coincidentally. It might be someone you just randomly think of and go, I'm just going to send them a text. Or I'm going I'm to instant message them, message them or something. But if you'll get up every day and say, Lord, just help me to be attentive today. to our, You know what's going to happen? By next Sunday, you're going to be happier. I promise. The Bible teaches it and research proves it. And it's better than a pill I could sell you in the foyer because it's free. And it takes so little. So I want to challenge you this week. And then next week I'll give you a different one. And the last week I'll give you a different one. Can you imagine what worship service, can you imagine what church might be like next Sunday if the majority of us spend the whole week encouraging people? Can you imagine we'll come in here, the roof will come off. Like we won't even be able to stay in here. Be so happy, filled with joy. Would you stand with me this morning? I, I don't know, you know, what this service has meant to you, but can I tell you, it's done my heart so much good to be with you today. And I appreciate you so much. And let me just speak that word of affirmation over you as a church. You've been so good to us. And you've been so good to a lot of people, not just us. You've been good to hundreds and thousands of people. I appreciate you. If you're online and you need prayer today, man, I'd love for you just to drop in the comment section there your prayer need or say that you need prayer. Our prayer team's been waiting to pray for you all day. They've been praying for you all morning. We want to bless you. And today we're going to uh, sing this song and just lift our eyes and hearts up to Jesus. The king encourager, the king builder, the king lifter. Lord, today we thank you that you are a builder and a repairer and a restorer. You're a healer, your friend, a counselor and a guide, comforter. You're the one who walks with us. Lord, we love you today. As we lift our heart and our voice up, I pray that you just raise this church up today in strength. <laughs> and we'd say, man, how good it was to be together today in your house.